0: Yeah, so we're going to talk today about, uh, God told me to tell you, don't let the process steal your promise, amen? Don't let the process steal your promise. Uh, we, we all know that uh, God's kingdom is not instantaneous, amen? Uh, the things that we desire uh, from God are delivered to us by faith, man so you have to have something invested in your future in order for god to answer you and then when we start to walk with god we find out that there's something else a little different going on here that it's not just a, god's not a vending machine where you ask and pull the lever and it comes out i don't care what these money cometh people have told you remember that i'm glad y'all almost forgot but we've been and it's really disrespectful to me you know god's not a slot machine because that money must come from him is you're not just getting money out of nowhere because we're we're supposed to not be thieves anymore once you come to christ and so when when god then gives us promises the Bible says it is so that we will be partakers of his divine nature. So the promise really is the hook that he puts in your jaw to get you to bite and hold on until you consume that thing that's on the end of the hook. You got me? Until you possess it. And so God then has us hooked by the promises that he makes to us because they are numerous and many and they are, they encompass every area of your life. If you really read the word of God for what it says, you'll find that God intends that we have no lack of anything ever in life. And not only that, but our children, our grandchildren, however many, uh, that, you know, in our generation, our bloodline. And so God intends to take full, uh, uh, care of us for, ever and that includes uh eternal life that includes the things that god wants us to have and the things that he desires that we possess baby escaping baby escaping you think i should go get him (laughs) he's looking for mama say our man is ready to go huh amen you can sit over there brother if it's easier to hold they don't bother me you know i can out preach them out hollow about everything so and i'll move them well we don't know about that but you know, we're working on it we there too yeah so that's fine whatever you need to do brother to, you know that's fine they don't bother me I mean, every every adult almost in here was here in his condition you know real small so So amen, they grow up under the word, it's a good thing, sure, amen. So anyway, God wants us to be able to receive everything that we need from him, but it must be done by faith. Then we find out there's something else working here that we can call an inheritance, amen. So there's the inheritance factor in God, that must come into play when you talk about the things that God wants us to possess. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that because that will explain to you why it might take some time for you to receive the things that you need from God, because God is not only promising and giving us things, but he is also maturing us so that we can live as rightful heirs. Amen. Amen of his grace and of his provision of his uh um, uh everything that he has of who he is yeah. we inherit Christ and who okay. he is and what he inherits and so the god says that we are joint heirs with Christ which is not the same familiar thing but what most of us know of is a co-signer See, the first thing pop into people, oh yeah, I know what that is because I had a cosigner before. Yeah. Jesus is not a cosigner because you ain't defaulting on nothing God's promised you. So you don't need a cosigner, not in his kingdom. It's already given to you. All you have to do is measure up to his standard so that you can receive. And his standard is always faith. You got to believe, you receive it when you pray, or you won't get it. And you got to act like you got it before you get it. That's what faith does. Amen. God has blessed some of y'all so much in 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 a fast time, huh? Some of y'all walk in here so poor and broke, but if girl, if you put your good stuff on and Put your nice perfume on it, step in here like you somebody, guess what? You gonna have it so quick it'll make your head spin. That's where the head spins. Amen? So God in, in, encourages us to, uh, not fake it till you, you know, but you're to faith it till yes. you make it. Amen? You faith it because you have it already. God says that He is guaranteed word with an oath and a promise amen it makes it impossible for him to lie so he he hedges he he hems himself in to obeying his word amen he wedges himself in to obedience to his word where there's no wiggle room for him to wiggle out of it huh i used sometimes i would get so mad at my husband he would say my late husband may he rest in the arms of the lord but, <laughs> and I was acquitted of all charges, so, um, oh gosh, it got too quiet, I'm messing with y'all, stop it, <laughs> like the back row was back there, what, <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> yes, there were no fingerprints found, no forensic evidence, no it was a clean kill uh, no i'm messing with y'all but anyway uh uh what was i gonna say I guess, sir, don't get me on my forensic files amen but but uh you know i would ask my husband i said can you do something for me he said if i can that was his standard honey we broke that in a hurry you hear me if i can he'd say that but two times huh I said, who else you want me to ask? Right. Oh, boy, don't go there. I yeah. went there. Yeah. Yeah. If I'd had more spiritual weapons, I'd have used them. <laughs> but I didn't have access to the throne.
1: <laughs>
0: I had access to female trick number 210. So that's what I used, huh? But y'all, I didn't say everything. I was—I did put a name to that. It was somebody he was jealous of, so he stopped it. You understand? Who you want me to ask? So, Chuck, come on, Chuck. Now don't. Now that's too foul. White flag. That was too too much joy there, Chuck and Tuesday. <laughs> But God is not a man that he should lie. That's all I'm saying to you. He won't try to wiggle. He ain't like people. So don't even put him in people category. Amen. Keeping him in the place where he resides. And that is the the possessor of heaven and earth. When you run into him, you don't need anything from anybody else. Amen. But you do have to obey God. You must please him. You must do everything that he commands you to do and you have to do it with a pure heart and with all of your heart. So God compels us to do certain things as as, uh, a result of our covenant with him. And so if we will obey him and obey those things, God will prove himself out to us over and over and over again. But there is such a thing as an inheritance, and we have to make sure that we uh, qualify for that because we need to have that in order to receive what it is that we need from the Lord. And so um, in Galatians 4, verse 1, why don't we t- take a look there? Amen. Let me see what Colossians 1, 12 says. I make notes, but I don't write out the whole scripture. One day I'll get smart and start doing that. But let's go to Colossians 1, 12 first. Praise God giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers. So you are qualified for your inheritance. That's what that says. And he says he's made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood. So the Bible is telling you God has already made you qualified. That meets, the word meat means all sufficient, sufficient in every way. You know how when you, when you get saved, you have these little doubts about bad habits that you have. Sometimes it's out and out sin. You feel trapped into it. But God wants you to know that he's already made you well-qualified, meet sufficient, no exceptions, for your inheritance. Just like a natural son is qualified as an heir through being born into the family, we are born again into the family of God, and that has qualified us because we have an inheritance with the saints in light, not darkness. So your inheritance is in God's kingdom. It's not in the devil's nonsense anymore. See, this is why the devil's always trying to snatch people back. Once you get involved with God, you know, remember stuff that didn't used to bother you. Now all of a sudden it bothers you and it should because you have the spirit of Christ living in you. And the Holy Spirit has to let you know when the things that you think about, the things that you contemplate doing are not right for you. They're not from light. They're from darkness. Well, the Holy Spirit is letting you know to make the decision not to do it. But then the devil comes and adds to your conviction and tries to put condemnation on you for the thoughts you have. Now, you can't help what you think sometimes, but you can help what you grab onto in your thought life. And so what the enemy wants to do is make you grab on to it and needle you and needle you and needle you and needle you about it. And then you think to yourself, well, I might as well go ahead and do it. I'm already thinking. You don't know how to break that cycle of that mental pressure that he puts on you. So he can make you guilty by thinking. Now, the Bible says that if you contemplate something in your heart, it's just as bad as doing it, except you don't get the same fruit. But it's wrong in God's eyes to desire something that's sinful. Now, we all know that. But because it's on your mind, that don't mean you want it. Now, I will work with the Y.
1: why am?
0: You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. See, the reason we're slow to respond to that is because we all have had that happen to yeah. us. Yeah. It's like when when the Bible says, "If you believe and not doubt where in your heart, but you'll have a doubtful thought that goes through your mind all day long. As long as you rebuke it and don't let it work down into your heart, safe. Why? Because what God puts in your heart is protected by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is down there batting them back and batting them back and batting them back, batting them back on your behalf. And you sitting up there feeling guilty because something's going through your head. I'm going to give you all the 10 to say, ouch, amen. Well, see, you see what i'm saying because it works how many people are new christians come into church and then they go missing after they've been abducted by the devil after three months Huh? they've been abducted by that seducing spirit that tells them well you're a christian you're sitting up Next to sister and they always pick somebody who's half dead and gray hair and, well she ain't got nothing on her mind but going to glory probably. You know what I'm saying? So you don't measure yourself against nobody sitting next to you. Huh? Measure your sense against self against the word of God. And the word tells you what? You have been meet, made meet to be a partaker of your inheritance. In other words, you're not written out of the will. You're still in the will. You just need to believe it. So where we need to do our labor and our work is laboring to enter into the rest of God by faith. You rest in the faith that God has already provided that for you. You're already qualified. If you're not, you couldn't qualify yourself anyway. So it's got to be a work of God that qualifies us so you're you're already sufficient to receive your inheritance you but you the trouble is getting yourself to believe that and act like it and believe it consistently amen and don't go back on what you believe just keep going forward <clears throat> on the things that god has given you so he has made us <clears throat> meet to be partakers of his inheritance by transferring us from darkness to light. He wants us in the light where our inheritance resides. He can't bless you out of darkness. He must bless you in light. Amen? He must. And so when you understand that, you'll understand that God wants us to live with him all the time, where we can grow, where it's safe, where we're protected, where we're free, where where no hurt, harm, or injury can ever come to us, that's where he wants us to be. But see, what the devil will do is make you feel so guilty about what you don't do anymore. You ever felt stupid about that one One day, it just dawns on you, you know what, I'm sitting here feeling guilty, and I ain't done that in like 10 years. Or I ain't cussing like I don't know when, and I... <laughs> So so he wants us to stay in the light in his presence Amen. Amen. so that we can prosper and we can flourish. The only thing with that is that oftentimes when we're in the light, you can feel guilty about being in the light of God. Like you'll think to yourself, mm, I used to worry about so and so and such and such. And I am worried about it a lot. Wonder what's wrong with me. Uh, maybe I should talk to God. God, should I be thinking about that more? Should I be praying more? Be... <laughs> you make your religious self crazy. Instead of entering into the rest where God says it's all done, everything that needs to be done for your situation has been done. If you think something else needs to be done, tell me what is it, what it is and I'll do that too. You understand what I'm saying? God will even satisfy our crazy curiosities about our situations. Uh Then we feeling stupid and and mad at ourselves because we doubted God. You understand what I'm saying? You just don't ever get tired of beating up on yourself sometimes. But give yourself a break. Okay? It ain't that hard. To please God. We've already pleased him. Amen. And so he is is satisfied. Amen. We've accepted his son. We've accepted forgiveness. And God is satisfied. Our inheritance is not of this world. And God's kingdom is not of this world. See, so since we are light, we must grow in the knowledge of him to receive our full inheritance. So really what it is, is God is giving, going to give us his word, giving us teaching, knowledge and experience to fulfill our days. Your days should not be spent waiting for God to do something for you. He's already done. So enjoy the part that you know he's done and quit stewing about. You understand what I'm saying? You can't do anything about getting your inheritance here earlier than it's scheduled to come. Amen. And so God wants us to learn how to wait with him. If The more time you can spend worshiping him, studying his word, understanding his ways, all of that's what's supposed to fill your days and, and fill your time. Not being concerned. There should be no more concerns for any of us anymore because Jesus has paid full price for everything that we desire amen even you discounting second hand store shoppers that's the one thing you can say you I'm right right in there I don't want to spend my money on nothing I don't have to but that's the one thing you can say I've had full price paid for that amen we didn't cut corners he didn't it wasn't a fire sale on the blood of Jesus where it came cheap one day it was full price all the way so that you can live full class with God, amen, <clears throat> or first class with God, amen. So in in Galatians 4, if you'll turn there, and it will show you why people get all hung up on when is it coming, what's going on, la, 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 la. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, uh You know how a lot of times I'll tell y'all, uh, shall I repeat that? I said, as long as he is a child, your a child, huh? You know how I tell y'all I'm grown. I'm grown enough to say certain stuff. <laughs> a child differs nothing from a servant, though in reality he's Lord of all. So they're talking about how people used to raise their children, in a household when they had servants in the household as well. So people would raise them all under the same discipline. They had to learn how to be trained in the ways of the household. All of that, was. if you look at the story of the prodigal son, remember all the servants? The servants knew more about what was going on than the the kids did almost, except when they came of age, then there was a difference made. Because when you're immature, everybody needs to learn the same things. You gotta learn how to eat. You gotta learn how to walk. You gotta get potty trained. You gotta get all those things. Amen. And, and so that you can stand up on your own two feet into maturity. How many of you parents who have raised your children, they're adults now, you still keep your one eye open. I used to laugh at Nola. Nola had three little kids running around, and one eye was over here. Now, I said, "How she do that with her eyes? One eyeball was over, another was she <laughs> kept an eye on them kids everywhere they were." And see, even now it's hard to let go of keeping an eyeball. You better not let go, of totally keeping it. So now it's just an eyeball. You're not jumping up to rescue them from everything, but you know how to go to God and pray for them. So it's a little different. you kind of lengthening the leash on them a little bit, so to speak. I'm not a parent, so I call it a leash. I know you parents wouldn't be so crass as to <laughs> say your children were on leashes, but you know what I'm saying. Same thing. <laughs> but a spiritual leash so that they only get so far, amen, and you reel them back in. That's love. That's care, amen. You're supposed to do that. And so when when God is maturing us, he lengthens the leash a little bit on us, gives you some things to do using your faith, and you get an answer to prayer, and you feel like, oh, I'm grown, 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 grown. I can conquer the world. I can go out. Now, I know I can have the biggie, and the biggie doesn't come. Uh-huh. And so... Faith is like that. Everything of the Spirit is like that. When you have a deposit of revelation or a deposit of ability, authority in the Spirit, you feel like you got the world by the tail. You feel like you can do anything. You feel like, you know, the superheroes. You know, turning into somebody else when you need to. And, and then all of a sudden you go to grab for what you want. You get, no, not time yet. Amen. And so an inheritance is like that. The worst thing in the world that, that you can be is somebody who's more eager for your inheritance than you are maturity. You're more eager to inherit something than you are eager to mature in the things of God and in the things of family knowledge. Remember the two prodigal sons, the one, you know, the, the little bad boy, one took all his daddy's money and spent it on hookers. Probably it all went. <laughs> if he was some with some of these queens I'd have seen out here, it all went in a day. Amen. So he wasn't out there long being stupid, thank God. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Some of these chicks is real slick, you know? Let's, you know, we'll have a party. I'll bring about six girls up. You'd be broke in the morning if you survived the night. You understand what I'm saying? And he wasn't even that slick, that smart. Smart enough to hang on to something for a rainy day. As the Bible says, pretty soon his money was real gone. He never developed Friendships of the people he was hanging with. So he wound up begging for a job. Whereas when he was in his daddy's house, all he got was manicures. He didn't do no work. You can tell because he didn't value work. He was a thief in his heart and he remained a thief the whole time he was in his daddy's house, stole his inheritance ahead of time and went and squandered it all. So when he did come to his senses, praise God. See, a wise father knows. You know, daddy is smart. He probably had that in him when he was young. He said, Yeah, and then I wised up one day, yada yada, yada, yada. Wise parents do that. But his older brother, who was in the house when he when the younger one came back, see you can always tell maturity in somebody. Mature people are rejoicing when they should rejoice. Immature people don't. So you can tell who's with God and who isn't. Somebody gets blessed, it's a they're happy about it, get happy with them. Amen. Amen. Don't you ever be seen on the on the side of not happy when somebody else gets blessed. Amen. Honey, you, you gotta take care of it. If you like it, I love it you understand well, it's yours it's not costing me nothing to rejoice with you over what you feel god has blessed you with or what who knows where it came from huh <laughs> are you happy i'm happy huh as long as it don't have no serial numbers on it they get traced we i had a girlfriend one time She nice christian girl yeah but uh, she used to buy, and my husband told me, you know, I was, I'm always thinking the best about, my friend so-and-so. He said, yeah, she a booster. I said, what's that? <laughs> but she was always wearing fur coats. And so my husband had to inform me. He said, he said no, nah, don't hang around with her. He said, and I don't want you. I said, I don't even wear her size. You know, I was working on it, but I wasn't. <laughs> But he said, don't you know that in, in furs, they brand a serial number on the underside of those skins where only the manufacturer knows to. <laughs> he said, a police will get a warrant and come and rip that off of you right in public somewhere. <laughs> <Amen>. Huh? <Yeah. laughs> <Beef. laughs> See, now you know, don't be buying no hot furs on <laughs> <laughs> But see, God wants us to get what we get legally. Yeah, yeah. She was always so glad about her stuff, and my husband would smile at her and her husband. we get home, he said, no, listen, <laughs> you can like them people if you want to. He said, but don't I have them up here. No, I don't want you over and done that parties. you know what I'm saying. Kind of <laughs> he had to hit me to what was going on. And one thing about him, he knew how to smell. He'd been around so many different places he wasn't supposed to be. He knew how to smell a rat when one was there. But I'm telling you, we need to learn to rejoice when people rejoice, how to mourn when they mourn. You see these people go on Facebook when somebody dies and you they want to send them to hell? Christians! They don't know how to stay in their own business and how to obey the word the way they're supposed to. But if somebody's lost some somebody, you don't come up and try to judge whether they went to heaven or not. Good gravy. What's wrong with us? But see, the older brother was like that because he was a good boy with his religious self he felt like that gave him the authority to judge everything. And so when the, the, you can always tell where people's hearts are when something happens that goes against what they think people deserve. Myself included. Listen, God had to slap me around a couple of times to get me out of that habit of judging by my standards. Only, thing, only person perfect is God. It's his law that people break, not mine no right god judges everybody and so when (laughs) when a younger son came to his senses the father made everybody in the house rejoice and be glad the servants had a party everybody partied down sir man we've been waiting for a reason for a party they don't care what's going on servants rejoicing serving everybody making merry so the older son is out being a good boy working in the fields, comes in. See, this is where God gets you. Right in the midst of you being obedient and being good, he'll bless somebody you think shouldn't get blessed. And Lord have mercy, you want to shoot through the ceiling. How they get something. I've been doing that so and so and so for so long and I ain't got nothing. You can tell he was mad because he told his daddy, he said, you mean he got the best meat on the property? The fatty calf was the one that they just kept in the stall and fed, had really tender meat. No way, he didn't even walk around to get, you know, get tough. And he says, you never gave me what? You remember the word he used? A kid. That's a goat. That's the toughest meat out there in the yard. Go sit up there all day and just butt stuff. You dare not go near them. They'll butt you, butt your kids. You don't leave nothing out there that you, you care about in the yard with them. And they're tough as shoe leather. So the son said, you didn't even give me tough meat for a party. You never gave me a party. And the, the, the father said, son, you're with me all the time. In other words, you're secure because you're obedient. You're secure in my house. We've never even been separated. He said, and everything that I have, what is yours? See, you can be blessed immensely and not even know it because you're paying attention to somebody else's failures, <laughs> faults shortcomings immaturity he's he not even paying attention to what's his and what belongs to him for minding somebody else's business yes. so the, the 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 boys going away was a blessing to him in a way at least he found out something about his father he didn't know yes. never be afraid to ask God what he thinks about you do you understand what I'm saying because you need to know because ignorance can keep you in the dark and thinking you don't even measure up. When God favors you, he loves you. You know, he, he blesses you. He has good things in store for you. That's why he says ask. Because that's how you find out. Other than that, the devil can keep you in the dark forever. Keep you thinking you don't qualify. Think you thinking God's not pleased with you. He can mess your head up terrible if you don't start asking God and start developing relationship with him. And so you are an heir. As long as you're a child, you're not qualified to receive all of your inheritance, but you're in the house. And so as long as you're in the house, God judges you on servanthood. How much are you willing to serve and do the things that I tell you to do? And what's your attitude about it? If it's an effort for you, like it was for the younger son, he didn't want to stay in there and serve. He said, no, give me mine now. I know what to do. And he didn't know how to do anything. And so when we understand that servanthood is always a part of our lives. Now, see, some people are quick to think that you serve until you get your inheritance. No, you continue to serve. Why you think he been training you as a servant all this time to drop it? See, when you get the "I'm I'm too grown and I'm gonna drop doing this" attitude, that's when you get dropped, huh? That's when you lose everything. So he wants us to always embrace servanthood, not as a way to get something, but as a way of life. You're supposed to live. Jesus was a servant until he went to the cross. You understand me? And he laid down his life as a servant of his father. Even though he was king and, 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 uh, Lord, he wasn't crowned yet. So you don't quit serving until you leave here and that's when you get your crown. And all them ex-queens say amen man we got all these pre-crownings running around here (laughs) so a servant is no different according to galatians 4 1 though he is really lord of all in reality so really you're you're you have dominion over all the works of darkness you're lord over the things that god has appointed to you but he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. So you're under teaching. You're under governance until God says it's time for him to release these things that we desire. And he he releases them at a time set for these elements to be released into your life. And he says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So you don't really earn sonship, but you must obey under the tutors of it. But you do earn, to a degree, inheritance because it comes to you as you're faithful. As you're, as you're faithful with things. It's like, you know, people, when, when your children are old enough to drive, parents go through a lot of angst about what kind of car To get their children, don't ever project your personality and your desires onto your children. Amen. Amen. The other thing is use wisdom. If your kid is too excited, you know, just my suggestion. You don't get them nothing eight cylinder with a hot rod engine in it, huh? You get them one in Fred Flintstone. varieties (laughs) you got to put them little feet out there to get it started but but you know give them a safe vehicle but don't do what these crazy parents do go and get in debt for a Mercedes or something like that and or something that's going to break down on them continually You don't want to see them out there. Now, if it's a boy, a boy will get out and fix a car. You know, he'll do something. It's a good experience for them. So you have to gauge it based on what you know about their maturity to handle certain things. But don't put them in a place of jeopardy. You know, the nice thing is that, you know, you can GPS your kids everywhere nowadays. And you can keep up with where they are. So that they're not out picking up wayward friends or letting somebody talk them into letting them get into their car we need to have them (laughs) i still remember that i ain't got no business watching that crazy soul plane movie remember when they was in the airport they was (laughs) taking off and the the uh the ghetto soul plane rolled up next to the um the caucasian only uh plane with the uh the horns on it you know you could tell they were now everybody wearing cowboy hats and everybody locked in (laughs) you saw them locks on the doors go down they didn't even have doors on there but they had locks on there when they saw the little ghetto soul play well that's what you teach your kids to do when they're out the first thing you do is make sure them doors lock all the way around and they stay in there and don't smile at nobody just keep your eyes straight ahead get where you're and go home, because they're not old enough to graduate into true sonship. So you keep them under tutors and governors, and that's you. You govern what they do until they show more responsibility or leave home. By that time, they should be mature enough to know how to handle themselves. And so God wants us under his control and authority I believe until you leave the earth, you're going to be under governance of God. You never get so big you don't need him to counsel you because he'll promise you something and then you get out there and think you got the goods and run into a brick wall and you'll find out I need something else from God. I thought I had it all and I don't have it all. I need something. And so God wants to keep us in a place. He doesn't want your inheritance to wreck you you got to keep yourself into it until you get it all, amen? President Trump was always CEO of the Trump organization, even though his kids had buku money, but those kids sat up there and referred to him as dad or sir or something respectful in their board meetings, and they learned the business, and so just since he's been president, he decided, so I told him, go and have a good time. I've had fun with with that business and I'm leaving it for something else. But he's still alive, so we don't know what's still on paper. You understand what I'm saying? But if they ever run into trouble, Papa's still there to help them so that they don't let that money ruin them, amen? So God always keeps something in the works so that your inheritance does not ruin you. Look at the people who are out there who are ministers that get ruined One by one by one by one, the devil picks them off. They get enough faith and enough understanding of the word to get a few material things. And they think they got everything. They snub their nose at other members of the body of Christ because you're not important enough to be in their circle. Amen. They get around people and start demanding. They'll go to a small church and demand thousands here, thousands there valet this and valet that. Robbing God's sheep so that they can live large. And then they'll say it's because their faith got it for them and there's nothing faith about it. You're just demanding from people. There was a good organization who was that? Remember that guy the, with the, all the kids? The Ron yeah, Ron Luce. invited. I won't mention the name. If I did, you know immediately who it was. But they were in financial trouble and invited someone. They thought they were inviting someone with a name who could help them raise money because they were teetering on the brink of bankruptcy. Well, once they got finished make, meeting his financial demands, they went bankrupt anyway. You understand what I'm saying? And so let us not get ahead of ourselves at all. If you're a minister and you're doing well, it's because God gave you a name. Now, you may be a big self-promoter, but God gave you the seed of whatever it is you're promoting yourself off of now. And so you have to be very, very careful. And see, you can have all the whole world's goods and lose your soul in a minute because you're not watching over the right things. This world's goods should never be so important to you yes, that you'll demand those ahead of where God wants you to have them. Amen. Now, if the devil's holding them up, you can rebuke the devil all day long, and he must let them go. Amen. But when you start pressing in on people and pushing people around and trying to get what you need from people, you've made a big mistake with God. You're not, you're not, um, you're not uh, faithful, and you're not worthy of that inheritance. You need to know that every son imitates his father and he does the will of the father. This is part of the process of becoming an heir. Many times it may seem that where we are now is nowhere near where we are going. But you don't know how close you are. You don't know how close you are. Abraham was on his way to becoming the father of a multitude but he had no children until it was time for him to receive that portion of his inheritance. You can't have it before it's spiritually time for you. We're not talking about chronological time. We're not talking about your age and years. We're talking about spiritual time for you. If you look in the Bible, it'll say, uh, phrases like in the fullness of time. When God uses those phrases, it's usually for something big happening. Because there's a lot of things in your life, God don't care when you get them. You have enough freedom to wreck your own little ship with debt and bad decisions and waste. You have enough time to do that, but there are some things that can only be done in the fullness of time. As far as your life is concerned, as far as the earth is concerned, as far as everything is concerned. I believe parents who have children that are growing up need to read to them the story of Mary and Joseph on a regular basis, especially when you know it's time for them to start getting married or thinking about getting married. How important is it for you to choose the right person? You don't know it might be a kingdom uh, um, important thing riding on your timing, riding on your decision, riding on your choice. See, you have no way of knowing until God opens that revelation up to you. So he wants you to be prepared just in case it is. There are certain things that have to go on in this earth according to God's kingdom timing that he's going to need one of his children to step in and do something. And you won't know if that's you if you're not prepared. So the best thing to do is preparation never hurts you. It works to your good to be prepared for all good things that could happen in God's kingdom. Our problem is we think too low. We never think highly enough of what God has put in us and what God has done for us, and what, how God wants to use it. We still think of ourselves sometimes as mere human beings, and not as supernatural God-men and God-women capable of mighty exploits. We read that scripture, we like what it sounds like, but we don't see ourselves there. See what I'm saying? I believe every time we get together and pray, something mighty happens. I believe something eternal happens. I believe something happens that is earth changing beyond city changing, beyond state changing that is earth changing every time. If I didn't believe that, I couldn't come ready to do the Lord's work. I'd be dragging in like a lot of people do and missing when I feel like it. You understand what I'm saying? So you put must put your faith in what God is doing in the fullness of time down here on the earth. you got to see every effort that you assert in the spirit as being important, potentially life-changing for that person you interact with, and definitely changing as far as the earth is concerned. If not us, then who? If you're working with the Holy Spirit, if you don't think what you're doing is important, you better think again. And elevate your thinking about what God, why God has you here. Yes, yes, yes. Cause if the devil can, he'll make us all feel insignificant, yes. worthless. You stay in that mindset long enough and see where you end up. Yes. You better snap yourself out of that and say, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm, I'm here for the, the most high God. I'm here to do life changing things. I'm here to do city changing yes. things. Yes. And I'm about my father's business. And make sure you do what what God has commissioned you to do. So Abraham was on his way to becoming the father of a multitude. Didn't have any children. Until it was time. Fullness of time. Abraham's almost a 100. It doesn't matter to God. God told you you're going to do something. You keep obeying God. You keep struggling. You keep working for God. You keep doing what you need to do because the fullness of time will come if you stay at it. Amen. Amen. God's not lying to you. He knows what he wants you to do. And there is a fullness of time for everything in God. In Genesis 12.1, <clears throat> Abraham was a servant. He was under tutoring. He was under the, the tutoring of God. He had a relationship with God. This tells where they first met one another. There were were several interactions with Abraham that God had where he promised him certain things that he delivered on. First thing God promised Abraham was guidance. How, you know, it amazes me sometimes how many people come up to me and say, I can't hear from God. How do I know what God is telling me? Just ask him. But you got to ask in faith. you got to believe he's going to tell you. Why would God save you and deliver you and leave you here without instruction? My suggestion, open your word and open it again and open it again until you know what he's saying to you. But until he says something specific, just do what you do. Come to church, read your word, pray, amen, forgive, love, all that stuff. Do the stuff that motivates your spirit to be stronger and do the things that you know that are at your disposal to do. You know, I have people come in here. God sent me here, and I said, well, you know, we need somebody to do so and so. Well, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. Yeah, let me... Well, you already prayed about it when you said God sent you here. Now, we don't have any statues. We don't have any adornments. We, We got a few plants. If you're human, you don't qualify as a plant. I'm assuming he sent you here to work. It's like he sends everybody here. Yeah, right. Ouch! Amen. Oh me, whatever. Huh? First thing is going to happen to you if everybody's working and you're not—you're going to be looking like a a sore thumb. You'll stick out. Huh? And then you're going to start feeling convicted. Then you're going to start crabbing about everybody else. It's a problem. You might as well go with the flow of the spirit of everybody else who is here and go find you something you can do. Your nails too long, we got jobs for people with long nails. Huh? Your shoes too high, we get you some flats. Huh? But we got a J-O-B for Y-O-U, huh? Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. The idleness is what causes all churches to die. Because idle people settle into gossip. Gossip settles into rebellion. Rebellion settles into destroying things. So that's why it's good to work. It's hard sometimes to keep people who are working from messing up, talking too much, crabbing, saying the wrong things. You understand what I'm saying? So it's best to learn how to go with the flow. Oh, but see, they don't understand my gift over there. If I saw it, I'd try and understand it. We ain't seen nothing yet. Huh? Get in the spirit and somebody can see something. Huh? You get in the spirit and start working real hard and everything comes out there. Huh? that's how it's revealed folks it'll be revealed to you once you get in the spirit and start working and doing things oh don't be so quiet learn how to laugh about some stuff good gravy y'all sound like them congregational people over there and we don't have no gay church So Abraham, God said, leave where you are and go. So he went. That's faith. Simple obedience is faith. Verse 1, Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your kindred, from your father's house. Why? Because they mess you up. You won't stay saved trying to stay. You stay friends with them outlaws and in-laws y'all got over there, and you won't be saved very long. So you won't, you'll have too many voices telling you what to do. Huh? Well, I don't see why you over there in that church with them women, women ain't supposed to preach no way. Uh, Well, I ain't sure what we doing here, but God's with us. I know that much. Amen. 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 People, you know, they'll criticize anything. You mean you got to go to church Saturday too? On the devil's hell day? Huh? Well, let's keep you from sinning on Saturday night so you won't have to come to church on Sunday morning hungover. Like you do. (laughs) Huh? Whatever. You know, tell them crazy people anything. Just don't, don't let them get in your head. Abraham was doing well. He went and followed God. He took his wife, Sarah, and Lot, his brother's son, all their substance that they had gathered, and all of the people. So Abraham had a degree of wealth when he met God. Amen. He was a working man. He was a prosperous man. But God, he must have been motivated somewhere, somehow to leave because he felt that It was going to be a better deal for him to follow God as God was speaking to him. Whenever God tells you he has something for you, he makes it so that he knows you will say yes to it. Sometimes we have a wrong idea of the right thing and we say yes to it and God honors it anyway. Huh? People say, well, I call you to the ministry, and the first thing they think is somebody they've seen on television, and they say yes to God, and he starts putting them through the paces, and the first place they get to is somewhere on a boat somewhere where it's nothing happened to Brother Sumrall, but because he's, well, Brother Summerall was different. He was sick, and God showed him a coffin or a Bible. He took the Bible. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? But God knows how to make the offer good, too good to refuse. Amen. He makes an offer we can't refuse. But many times in our mind, we have certain things in our mind and that never happened. But we say yes to God already. You understand what I'm saying? There are things where, where we think God is going to do it this way. He's going to do it that way. He's going to do it that way. I was glad when he told me I could preach because I knew I wouldn't have, ever have a, a singing voice for the, for the, uh, for the church. So he makes me sing anyway, the song of the Lord. Well, I call it singing. I don't know what y'all call it. (laughs) God, you tell him you like it. Okay. Amen. That's all that really matters. What matters is you get the message out. I found that out. I found out a lot of people who say they're singing the song of the Lord never got it from God. So it's like, what do you want? You want the people to be tortured for the whole half hour with nothing from me, or you want them to have somewhat life on it. So you make your choices. But I realize I don't get to choose what I do as a servant. You just do what's before you to do. And you gotta learn how to live like that. You gotta learn how to live with your doubts and your fears and then eventually put them on the back burner out of the way so they don't get in front of you and start hindering you from what God wants you to do. A lot of people thought they were going to get very wealthy from what they do for God. And they haven't hit it yet. I was listening to Rodney Howard Brown the other day. He went to Madison Square Garden to do a, a, a crusade there. And he talked about how they struggled to to get the money, he said the money was ginormous, what they wanted they had to just for the they had to pay the union people about two hundred thousand dollars just to have them come in to turn the the utilities on, or they wouldn't have lights they wouldn't have water, they wouldn't have anything in there, and it cost them maybe something like ten million dollars. He said people told us over and over again we would fail, we would go in there, we would flop. When he got there and they had the event, it wasn't nearly filled up. See, many people don't understand their ministry. Now, when I look at that and I look at the size of that venue and I look at how liberal New York State, New York City and New York State are now, then I know why you need to have a large venue open for the things of God in that city well ahead of time this was around 2000 when he did this many people and i know because we do it you go ahead of the people who are going to get all the attention and have all the big crowd and you go in and you plow and you fight and you bind devils and you curse things and you break powers off of things so that the king of glory can come through. Not a man with a name and not a man with a ministry, but the king of glory. And I don't care how long that place sits before a Christian goes in there and has a crusade and fills it up, but I know it's going to happen. Because he's already sent the plow in there to plow things up. He's already proven the money's going to come. So anybody who is scared about the money factor... They know it'll happen, cause he did it already. Yeah, yeah. And see, he's, he still carries a little bit of, bit of disappointment about the turnout, but I don't. I know exactly what happened. Cause it happens to us all the time. When we first went to Detroit, people say, oh, you gonna go down there? And ain't nobody. They don't let Christians in down there. I said, they who? <laughs> huh? They who? And people, I realized people were hiding behind the woodworks waiting to come out when it was safe to come out. Well, we went in there and the bills bills were already paid. They saw we had the meeting, that we didn't get kicked out. They didn't shut off the lights for nonpayment. The meeting went on. Well, I just told everybody that God was going to they had to send somebody from out of town to show the people in Detroit how to do it right. I'm do it right. What do you mean that you do it at all means that God is with you. There's no right and wrong in the doings of God. We did what God co- told us to do, and we let it go. I don't have to t- uh uh possess all of those places for doing meetings for us only and think we're the only ones who can, "Are you kidding me? We do what we're called to do. God tells you to go open places up. He says, I don't like it that my people can't go in that city and have a meeting and where I tell them to have it. Kenneth Copeland wouldn't even go in Detroit. No, we tried in Detroit. It's rough there, brother. We tried that and we couldn't get, you know what I'm saying? That's why God calls certain people to do certain things for him. You don't know what God's doing with what you do and see I'm of the mindset that I'm going to call to God, I don't like take the anointing, oh let's go take this city over and go take (laughs) that. no, I'm like Deborah I'm going to lay on my hammock between (laughs) the two palm trees and just rock back and forth until it's time to get up and put the armor on again and go do something else if it doesn't come, it doesn't come pass the baton on to somebody else that God wants to anoint you got to understand servanthood. you got to understand that idea of ministry you have in your head. If it didn't come from God, it won't happen, so you might as well let that go right now yeah, yeah, yeah. and pick up what God wants you to do. So the first thing God gave Abraham was guidance. He said, get up and go. I'll show you where. Don't stop going until I tell you stop. And that's what Abraham did. And he moved around a little bit. And then he got to a place where there was a famine. When God sends you somewhere and tells you to abide there, he knows what he's doing. I don't care what happens in that place. So a famine breaks out and Abraham cannot feed his family. He's nervous about it. This becomes a test of servanthood. Are you going to be a servant or are you just going to go through the motions of serving God? You're going to be a servant in your heart. Now it's not recorded that God ever told him to go to Egypt and I believe God did not because everything else God told him to do is recorded. It says, so it says, and there was a famine in the land and Abraham went, didn't say God told him to go, to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous in the land. How many of you know the same thing happened to his son, Isaac? And what happened? Isaac hesitated and God said don't go he said so here and he reaped a hundredfold so if it was possible for the son it was possible for the dad also serve the same God got the same covenant and so Abraham makes mistakes how many of you make mistakes no biggie just God will correct it amen So Abraham goes down to Egypt. He's in a place where he notices men noticing his wife. Amen? And so these are strangers. And so Abraham has this little game he plays with Sarah. And, and, you know, heathen men do a lot of underhead and shady stuff. You understand me? So he still has his old habits on him that he had when he was over in ur of the chaldees when he was worshiping false gods god knows that and god has to train him this is why you're under tutors and governors until it's time for you to inherit the biggie this is why god brings us inheritance instead of just giving us stuff we need to understand embrace and accept the difference you're not waiting on god to give you anything He's waiting on you to pass the test of the last thing he gave you. Can you put this thing that you want so bad on the altar never to take it down again and forget it's on there because you've offered it up to God? Can you not be broken-hearted if you don't get it? That's the thing people don't want to face. And that's the thing faith people will tell you. If you got enough faith, you can get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see you get up against a rock. See, if it's of all you ever want is material, you don't really need a lot of faith for that. The Bible proves that out. The Pharisees didn't live by faith. When they gave in the offering, they gave out of their what? Abundance. They had plenty of money. There's plenty of ways for religious people to get plenty of money. The widow had a mite because they had robbed her of everything she had. Free. Free. Yeah. That's why God honored what she gave more. Man, she was up against some opposition there. All you, well, you know, if you, if you buy a, a dove from me over here, uh, you can yeah, always selling people something, robbing them blind. Right. Yeah. Give us your, give us the deed to your property, and we'll take care. We'll take care of them. Right. Yeah. Abraham has to get some of the the street out of him before he can get entrusted with anything big, because the street will claim him again. Because your old buddies that you used to do stuff with is waiting for you to get some money. They are waiting yet for you to. Because you used to show up and share it with them. Not throwing no shade. I'm just <laughs> standing here reading my
1: notes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you understand? Chuck, how many how many bags did people get on payday and come and stamp it and and pass it out? There's some people now waiting for Chuck to come back with some with a payday. So they can get some gorilla from her. Huh? True that. Chuck don't mind sharing her testimony and I know she don't, so y'all the rest of y'all can stay undercover if you want to. I respect that. I respect that. You're a new creature. You don't want to dredge up the whole stuff. I don't blame you, I respect it. Yeah chuck chuck is a uh a vet we old, we old vets in the uh the biz hey we bring some everywhere and does some everything but we we don't smell like smoke do we chuck you know we don't smell like smoke so this famine becomes a test anytime there's lack in your life it's a test it's not permanent don't freak out don't get crazy don't scream and holler and think God's forsaken you and he's forgotten you and oh, God doesn't love me anymore. More about do you love him? That's what the test is. So the famine strikes. He moves to what looks better in the natural for survival. Survival-minded people will always choose what looks best in the natural. That's how people sell your bad automobiles. They get them shined up, dolled up, take that real sticker off of them, put a medallion on there that looks like something foreign, tell you, oh, you ain't heard of this kind of car? This is from, from so-and-so and such. And it's like, this is the best they got. huh? So he does what looks best in the natural for him, for survival. When you're in survival mode, you are, are more concerned about what you're going to eat, drink, and wear how you're going to be provided for when God's already promised you. You need to get everything in the natural that reminds you of poverty out of your life. Start putting things up there that speak to your provision, God's provision, to where you're going, not where you've been. All of that stuff, just remove all of the old things out and start putting things in that speak to your your position in God and your future. Start putting some scriptures up around your house. Put some, I've got so many little post-it notes that the, the glue got dry and fell off so, you know. You can go behind any of my fu- furniture and find some post-it notes with a scripture on them. That's been there for years, amen. That's how you live in the new. That's how you live and make it through these tests. So you know the end of the story Abraham goes down to Egypt, tells people that Sarah is his sister, not his wife. It's half true. He had to say that to her to get her to go along with it. You understand, some of these things are for, but he knew how to work the system, so to speak. And so they look at her, and she's so beautiful that the Pharaoh, the man who's in charge of the whole land, wants her. Now, see, Abraham was cool as long as it was just an average brother walking around that might be interested in her. But when the top guy is interested, there's nothing you can do, huh? Abraham might say, well, she's my sister, but, you know, she's engaged to some other guy. and You know, she ain't free. He could speak up for her with anybody on his level. But here's the ruler of the whole nation. So he's got to do what the Pharaoh says. Pharaoh's smarter than Abraham. Because impotence broke out in that palace. And Pharaoh said, wait a minute. There's a God at work here that's more powerful than we are. And so they're who He wanted to know who this woman was and who she belonged to. So when Abraham got in front of him, he couldn't lie to him. He's the king. You're a dead man one way or the other. You know what I'm saying? You lie to him, you're dead. If you tell the truth, you're dead. You might as well tell the truth, Abraham. You're supposed to be a godly man. And so Abraham tells the truth. He says, why would you tell me she's your sister? He said, I might have taken her to be my wife. He says, just take your wife, get out of here, we'll pay you restitution. Because when you offended somebody, there were laws in place for repayment of offenses to people's life. Hey, like it is now, people rob you blind, run off and laugh about it. You know, if, if somebody powerful that served a God that was powerful, you offended them, you, you gave them everything but the kitchen sink to appease their God. They're scared of Abraham's God. 13 verse 1, and Abraham went up out of Egypt, him and his wife and all that he had in lot with him. And Abraham was very rich. Very rich and just made a big mistake. God does not take lightly a man giving his wife away or considering her just a commodity but at that point in abram's life he didn't know any better that's how they rolled back in the day that's how they played it and so people will think now let me tell you what religion will do to you oh well that couldn't have been god letting him have god didn't give him that money no it says very clearly in my bible that pharaoh gave it to him but does it say in the next sentence that God killed him when he took it? Okay. It says it was his possession and he was very rich. God told Abraham, I will bless those that, he's told him this before, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. I will fight with those who fight. That's covenant language. When those men tried to take his wife, they tried to take God's possession. Sarah was God's daughter, whether Abraham recognized it or not. So God took care of business as far as she was concerned. And the rule in Egypt was if you offend a man in any way, you must pay him restitution now it don't look clean to us because we so holy and we so wonderful but I'm telling you that was Abraham's money because they were offended well Abraham was the one that set it up they didn't know that they just knew they crossed the line and they knew they had to pay and they knew God, Abraham's God was powerful and they knew they wanted their life back and him gone you understand what I'm saying so you see a promise of god coming to pass even though you sin in the meantime that's for all you perfect people waiting on get real perfect before you get something from god let me give you a little secret the blood covers every sin you commit past present and future and abraham didn't have that kind of covenant with god yet he was working on it you understand me The only thing Abraham understood about relationship with God was being led and the tithe. That he understood. But other than that, he didn't understand anything about how to get along with God, but he was learning. You get slack for your learning. And you get it all your life, and it's called, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. And cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Even though I lied and said that, yes, Abraham, you get cleansed. Huh? Abraham made regular sacrifices to God. He worshipped God. He built an altar to God. That's called relationship. When you have an altar to God, it's called relationship. It's in our hearts. As new covenant believers, you have an altar in your heart where you meet with God and you worship him in spirit and in truth and you confess your faults to God. You tell God, God, if there's anything that I need to do, you let me know. I want to keep moving on. I don't want to stay where I am. I don't want to stay in kindergarten and, in in the things of God forever. I want to mature on and receive all of my inheritance. And when you're sincere with God, he will be straight with you. He won't tell you anything you've done that he won't forgive you for. He won't give you any bad news. Oh, that was the worst thing in the world. I could have heard God. You'll never get that from him. Sometimes he won't say anything to you and just, you know, kind of like, well, just quit being crazy like that. You know, get, come get in your right mind. Go get back in your word. <laughs> huh? And so we need to understand, folks, that God is grooming us for greater. You're still under tutors and governors. You'll be under that all your life in God. You'll be able, but you are receiving an inheritance as you obey. Things happen good for you. Some things are withheld for a greater day, of greater obedience. It's up to God. He wants us to take a hint. And that is learn how to be content right where you are. Don't let lack bug you and don't let abundance draw you away from him. But stay in the flow of obedience to God. Understand that you have an inheritance. Some of us will get most of it when we get to heaven. And I think that's the best place for it. You know, we've all learned now we don't need much to be real happy down here. You know what I'm saying? The devil will come and stick a pin in it as soon as he can. So you stay alert and you stay focused on taking authority over the enemy so that he can't get an advantage of you. But I'm telling you, this process must be completed. So don't let it, don't let it discourage you from waiting on the promise. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come into your presence, understand your word, understand your heart. We thank you, Lord, for the heartfelt petitions that go before your throne. That as we stand before you in the righteousness of Christ Jesus by his precious blood, Lord, nothing is ever withheld from us. So we thank you, Lord, for being the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy unto 10 generations and more. Eternally you keep it, Father. So we thank you that our, our goods are secure. Our homes are secure. Our loved ones are secure at all times. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Says the Spirit of God. I have this in my possession and I am working it out for your good. You need to know and you need to trust that when I am your Father, I work things out for you, whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not. But you're going to start believing, says the Lord. You're going to start believing that I am working things out for you. And the spirit of faith will not fail you. The spirit of faith will not allow you to quit. The spirit of faith will not allow you to give up. Because many times you have declared, if I don't get it soon, I don't know what I'm going to do. And yet you're still here holding on, says the Spirit of God. Some of you are holding on with less enthusiasm, but you are holding on, says the Spirit of God, because you can't get rid of the spirit of faith. So the Lord says, trust me that I am doing what I said I would do, and I am always working, says the Lord. As my son said, the Father works, and hitherto I work. And the Lord says he is working it out for your good, it's all good. It will work out good. If you will trust me and expect good, you'll have a better ride, says the Lord. So hold on for the ride, says the Lord. There's no labor yet to do, but just labor to enter into that place of trusting that I am working it out even before you can see it, says the Spirit of the Living God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord
1: that
0: which you thought was dead will come to life again says the Lord that which you thought was over is not over that which you thought was not ever going to happen for you will happen you just got to put it out there you must put
1: faith in it says the Lord I need your faith to bring it back to you says the Spirit of the Living God Jesus, Kurandaria Shia Hondayan Korata, Harata, 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 Harata Shia Hondayan Ha Koraha, Ha Koraha, Ha Koraha, Si, Karata.
0: Just extend your hands toward heaven. You can stand or sit where you are. Just extend your hands to heaven and receive. Receive the assurance and the faith that God is working everything out for your good. Your good. Your good.
1: It will work out good for you. Father, just bless them. Bless them with that assurance. Bless them. Bless them with that assurance, Lord. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them, them, Lord. With that assurance. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
0: Bridget are the girls out there send the the four teenage girls in here I'm going to pray for them
1: just before they leave praise God Ray that's Ray praise God
0: walk in here like little perpetrators or something. It's nothing bad. You all know it's all good in the things of God and the Spirit of God. Teenage is a confusing time, you know, for everybody. And um, you're half out and half in. Half half grown and half not grown. Not knowing what to go. So God wants you ladies to be assured where you're going and you're going to get there. The name of Jesus. You will
1: get there. The name of Jesus. You will get there. Are oh, you going already, aren't you? You will get there. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.
0: I believe in zapping young people as often as possible. <laughs> Get them comfortable with the things of God. Get them comfortable with the Holy
1: Spirit guiding them. Get them comfortable with God doing great things in their lives. It will do them good all the days of their lives. Amen.